Hi, and welcome to CauseCast. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at CauseCast, we have one simple mission, to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes. Whether that's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing for, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, state, country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guests' favorite causes, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causecasts.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Taking CauseCast all the way around the globe, 12 hours ahead of us in Taiwan, we are speaking with James Thomas. He is the host of the Four C's One Family Podcast, and he has a very, very unique goal. He's trying to show the world that we as people, as everybody being human, doesn't matter skin color, race, creed, culture, religion, sexual, doesn't matter where you are, we have so much more in common than we typically think, and we are excited to bring him on CauseCast. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm really glad to be here because, you know, we we do have a lot more in common than we think. And you have an interesting story, I think, that led you to this project. So, I mean, first off, you are an expat. You are an American living overseas. And I, I suppose when you first started the podcast, a little bit of it was to sort of help deal with that situation, help to talk to other people who are living in a similar fashion, who have gone through a similar experience and, and work that way out. When did that sort of shift and change into what it is you're doing today about this more bringing us all together motivation? I would consider myself an immigrant at this point because I've been out here for almost 30 years. Being an expat carries on a connotation that you knowingly will go someplace and work temporarily or do something temporarily on whatever project that may be, whether you was forced to live overseas or not. And then with, with that mindset, you know you're going to either leave that place or return home. I'm an immigrant because I've made this place my home because I've gotten myself so much tied into the culture here. And basically, my whole impetus in all this is because, you know, in, in a particular place where I went to school, I went to school in uh, upstate New York, Cortland State, the SUNY school. And at that time, in order to get out of the school, you had to learn a second language. And everybody was learning a popular language, Spanish, of course, coming from New York, you know, Nueva York, and, you know, French, the romantic language. But I chose to study Chinese, Mandarin Chinese. And about that time is when uh, Deng Xiaoping was building up a name in the United States and everybody was thinking about China as, as the uh, the next rising star in that case. So I decided to go that route. Also, I, my family has ties out here and I'm, I'm an African-American, okay? So it's kind of strange. I said, okay, let me go into learning Mandarin Chinese. I'm studying Mandarin Chinese in the States. Then one day, like something out of a Kung Fu movie, my teacher said, James, if you really want to learn Mandarin Chinese, you have to go to China. And uh, within about three seconds, I said, okay. And, you know, <laughs> didn't really didn't really imagine how much work that would take. But I said, okay, why not? Then the next semester, I applied and said, okay, I want to go to, to China. Ended up in China and did a lot of things there. We probably can talk about that later. But over time, when people look at me, they've never seen, there's a lot of places I've been in mainland China and, and even in other parts of uh, Asia, that they've never seen an African-American, a black person. They was kind of shocked. And for me to be able to converse with them and show them that, well, I'm much like you. In the end, you're much like me. I got to make very, very close and intimate relationships with people who have never thought they would be able to touch a person like me. And over time, you get to learn that, yes, people have a lot more in common than we think. Then when I went back to the States, uh, I got notifications to work for the CIA, FBI, but I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to go back to Asia, continue my 
education and got a scholarship to come out to wonderful Taiwan. Lived there ever since. Wow. That's one of the reasons why I want to show everybody we have a lot more in common than we think. That's so fascinating that to walk around a place, to go talk to people and to have them look at you and I guess be in somewhat shock to have never seen someone who looks and acts and appears the way you do. I mean, I also imagine where you are, not only obviously are you African-American and you know that's going to stand up, but you're also, you're a tall gentleman. <laughs> and so I'm sure you just sort of tower over much of the population wherever you're walking. So you really stand out wherever you go. Isn't it so funny? I'm, obviously, you know, guys are getting taller here because of the diet. There's other things with the diet that's not so good, but uh, <laughs> it's quite comical. I remember times I'm on the telephone speaking the local Mandarin Chinese. There's another local language here. It's popularly known as Taiwanese. And I'm on the telephone. I'm speaking to them in Mandarin. They think, well, there's something strange about this <laughs> voice. This guy's probably from another part of China. Then when they meet me in person, they're like, they're shocked. <laughs> you know? I've had good teachers, but it is uh, welcoming. Being an immigrant in this case, you have ties here. So I'm curious to get back to sort of the main focus that we as human beings, we are all just that. We're all humans of the same planet and the little itty bitty differences that we as societies have turned into big differences and we you know work to tear us apart. They're nowhere near as common as the things that are truly what make us the same. And so I wonder in your travels, in your conversations, going out to the far reaches of China and Asia and seeing things that folks probably in America listening to this can't even imagine. What are some of those common traits, the most common things that we have that we all share that you notice as a pattern? as a recurring theme in all of this? Is relationship with family, okay? Regardless, we still have the same common denominators that link us to our family. And there's extents to that. For example, you probably understand the fetal piety type of thinking here in Asia, where their clan or their certain communal people will rely on each other for the benefit of all. In some cases, in certain cultures, it can be all about the family and everyone else is just not part of it to a certain extent. And that is a commonality that goes. And also, the way we look at people, we revere, whether they are family members, elders, heroes, that's common across all cultures. And that's something that, coming from outside of a culture, I would say, looking into another one, there are certain dynamics that may not be totally equivocated, but there's more common than, than we can even think of. I can't name anything specific at, at this moment, but if I can, I'll I'll put the input in. <laughs> well, I guess maybe a, a different way to ask that question is, what's the one thing that you found that you have in common with people of such a different culture that surprised you the most, where you look at somebody who clearly looks very different, at some point spoke very different from the way you did, came from a very different place, lives in a very different setting. But then all of a sudden, what was the first thing that sort of hit you that said how we are the same that mm. really took you back? The word is trust. It's very interesting when you meet somebody who supposedly be different than you. You hear from your nationalistic propaganda that people from this country are like this, or you find out that when you go overseas, people overseas think that you are like this because they heard this in their media or picked it up from the movies and stuff like that. The thing is trust. I mean, I've been in situations where when I first meet people out here and you take part in certain activities. I play airsoft out here with some friends. I run track and field out here. I have a track and field background. I go to the gym. And I've made relationships that over the years, now I've, I met people, I've seen their family grow up. From I've seen their kids grow up and go into college. There's a certain kind of trust that builds up. Like I, I remember times when, um, I, okay, one particular time that sticks out in my mind is I was in a car accident. I was on a highway, a car hit me from behind. 
uh, nobody got hurt, but the car behind me got damaged really bad. But I get out the car and handling of paper, the police come. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call. And one of my, you know, Taiwanese friends say, hey, James, they have a certain nickname for me. And I'll explain that later. But <laughs> they say, hey, you in an accident. I'm sending over one of our brothers over to help you. I was like, what, what, number one, how do you know I'm in an in, in a car accident. He said, oh, because another brother, another friend of ours was driving the other direction and they saw it and they called me. So we called somebody else, a friend of ours, we call him brothers, and he's a mechanic. So he's already shot off, took off from his company to come and see if I'm okay and if I need any help. And this happens like, wait a minute, how did you know this? And your guys already started moving on my behalf. I mean, to be honest, I was like, wow, because we built up a trusting relationship like this. But I know, too, based on the culture here that I'm going to one day have to return that I welcome it. So it's the thing about trust. And maybe I should add another word called a certain kind of brotherhood. And I look an African-American in the middle of an Asian society getting this kind of love. This is something that we need to think about. Can this be something that people can share? I suppose in the current climate that we're living in, where our news is telling us that we're more divisive than ever, our leaders are telling us that things are more divisive than ever, we ourselves are touting and sharing and retweeting stories of divisiveness and you versus me and us versus them. And, and you know, we're digging our heels in the sand and choosing sides. I suppose when you get down to one-on-one, it is easier to see where, one, we have more in common, even if we can find places that we fundamentally disagree in, two, despite that, we can trust each other, we can rely on each other, we can be empathetic towards each other. It's true, but not to walk up on a dream state. There are some people who have their own different kind of motives to keep us separated. To have us together may not be beneficial to their certain uh, beliefs, or whether it's uh, spiritual, financial. These are the things that really does exist. People have motives. But the thing is, we have to get past the, the tribularities and the tribalisms to understand. Well, let me go back. Some tribalism may be good in some cases, if it's positive. But you have to get it beyond the blind set version of tribalism and to try to find out commonalities that we can all agree on and go in that direction for the future of not only our family, but the future of this little blue ball we live on. So how do you use the podcast to accomplish this? How is it that you are able to share this kind of message and thinking with people through digital audio? Well, I've been trying to go look for, for example, people who have lived overseas for an extended amount of time. What's an extended amount of time can be is can be, say, between a half a year or a year and beyond. Not someone who just bounces around doing business and not really taking the initiative to learn about the culture they are in at the particular time. I'm trying to use their experience to show how their ups and downs, trials and tribulations and other personal conflicts can show that being in another culture, yes, it may be different, but there's things that you can pull out and equivocate them to maybe part of with who you are, your belief systems, and how it can also bridge to your cultures and belief back home. So, for example, I would, I would talk to someone who has, for example, studied in Tibet someplace and talk to them about certain events that, that affect them as an, as an expat or an immigrant and talk about how they change, how their experience changed their personal views of not only the world, but also themselves. I also add in a bit of how People who they know back in their home nation, how people back in their home nation viewed them living overseas and how they had to 
crush certain stereotypes because you have to crush stereotypes both ways from your home nation and in the nation you're dealing with. So that is the bridge. I talk to people, say, who are from where I'm at now who have lived overseas and how they have went overseas and learned, wait a minute, what I heard in my nation, people in this part of the world are supposed to be like this. But when they get there and live there and experience there and build friendships, they learn that well, it's not really like that. And this is also being transferred to both their positive and negative experiences. So why do you now I know before we started recording, you were talking about that you were doing some video work, you were talking about exporting the wrong file format, like I do so many video projects. So why is it that for this project in particular, you thought that audio was the right way to go? Is there something unique about producing a podcast that makes it easier to convey that message to share these stories? You know, a podcast is in your ear, you 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 become a part of the person's invisible motion. I mean, people can listen to you in a car, people can listen to you while you're in the gym, you, you actually go into their head. <laughs> you go into their head. You're in their ear. And you may they may not see you visually. I mean, a podcast allows you, or excuse me, the listener, to actually build a more interpersonal connection with it. I mean, you, you, you can't listen to a podcast, excuse me, watch. You, you want to try watching a video while you're driving a car? I don't think that's a good <laughs> idea to do. I don't think that's a good idea. Or watch a video while riding a bike in, in some of these traffic congested places. No, it doesn't work that way. Audio actually makes the listener a part of the story and and the things that a listener's imagination can add elements based on how you present the podcast can add elements helpful elements that can help further expand on the topics you are talking about in the podcast that's the power of podcasting so to others who are hearing this and thinking about trying to spread a positive message, trying to improve their community or improve the world, what are your suggestions for having a podcast, for specifically using this medium to accomplish that? Are there things that you do differently when you're producing for a more altruistic cause than you would if you were just, say, podcasting for your business or podcasting to sell something? Well, th- that question goes down to a really personal type of message that you want to believe. If you're going to do this type of medium, you have to believe. You have to. You must believe what you're trying to put in someone else's ears. And if you don't, people will feel it. People will feel feel it if you're trying to push something that you don't believe okay you see you have to believe in what you're trying to do and if your motives is to have a financial reward out of it you still have to believe in your story the most important thing is try to make it heart touching personal and then it will always be value it's funny you keep using the word feel because so often we talk about this being an audio medium and how we hear the content and that we're listening to these people but you're right. Some of the best podcasts out there, not necessarily even just, you know, ones that are doing something altruistically for a cause, but, you know, some of the best storytellers out there, some of the best comedians out there, just some of the best people in this space, they don't just make you hear it. They make you feel what they're trying to do. And I'll be honest, I've had a lot of feels so far in doing these interviews. So it's it's such a unique sense to think about when you're creating what is commonly just referred to as an audio medium. For real. I mean, think about it. Think about the ways you can take someone's feelings and put it in a podcast and they can acknowledge it. It may not be they would agree with everything you present to them, but for them to acknowledge that something or way of thinking does exist and another way of thinking does exist. And I feel that what I'm trying to do in this podcast is to actually have that curiosity come out in people for them to to ask themselves I wonder how it feels on the other side of the fence. We don't need a wall. What happens on the other side of the fence? Because we can see through the fence. So, 
God, these are <laughs> these stories are just <laughs> they're they're hitting me in ways I just didn't think about that they were going to be hitting me. So going back earlier, you said you were going to tell a story. What is talk a little bit about more about what it's like being overseas. I mean, I know you said you've been there for over 30 years. And at this point, I mean, that feels more like home than the U.S. would to you. But what is it like to still feel not feel because I suppose you don't feel that way. But what is it like to supposedly have people look at you and think stranger in a strange land, even though to you it's home? Well, I have to look at it this way. Okay, when I first got here, people looked at me and it's like, oh, there's this, oh, this, this, this black guy, blah, 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 blah. And, I, and at that age, I was like, wait a minute, you, I, I'm offended you would look at me that way. But after a while, you learn that, well, you, you are that. <laughs> you are different. And you may not be totally accepted, but you can be respected. That's what I learned, respected. What I've learned is that if you look different, smell different or whatever, that's the way it really is. You have to build up a different type of rapport with people, okay, that lasts longer than what you have on your surface. Yes, I use a lot the word feel, of course. This is the most basic thing that everyone has. No matter how hardcore you wear that persona, this is something that people need to spend more time to get beyond. And I just feel that me being out here, it helped me learn more of what I'm made out, what I am made out of what the value I have inside. I also learned more about where I come from. I learned more about where I come from. I'm finding out people over here in other parts of the world know a lot more about where I come from than people from my home country knows about them. Why is that? Mm. I feel people back in my home country need to know more, not only about what they read in history books or hear stories, they need to experience more outside of their safe place. And that's what I hope I can do and also transmit, transceive through those who have experienced it out here. It's funny. One of the first interviews on this show spoke to a lovely woman and a similar idea came up that in learning about others, you tend to learn more about yourself too. And it's fascinating to hear that that being echoed and being repeated by you in this context. It's just something I think that most of us take for granted. Sometimes it may not be pleasant what you find out about yourself. <laughs> or, or, yeah, sometimes it's not pleasant, but or pleasant finding out what people like you think. But then when you understand why, then you start looking for the filters to get the garbage out of the way. You take more of an effort when you're talking to people back home to say, oh, James, be careful. This place is dangerous. Okay, fine. Put it this way. I worry more about them in Chicago in the South Bronx than I worry about myself in walking down the street in Vietnam or Southern Taipei or Taiwan. And that's honest. But that's the reality of the way the world is. And the only thing we can do is take a grab of it, take control of it, and do the best we can to make it an embedment for everybody. I don't think I could have said it any better myself. Uh, so, James, if you wouldn't mind, could you at least tell us, once again, the positive change you're looking to make in Taiwanese? I use Mandarin, okay? Go for it. I just want to that we can and so如果我们要彼此尊敬彼此尊敬了解我们的共同性是很多很大所以如果我们用一个很开放的思想概念等等为什么我们不能四海一家世界和平 
So essentially, what did you say there? <laughs> Basically, I just said people need to acknowledge that the love of family, trust in people. We have a lot more in common than we think, but also we are four C's, one family. Beautiful. Couldn't have said it better myself in either language. James, thank you so much for joining us here on CauseCast. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me on. And I, I, come back to me in about a year later and see what changes I've come up with, because I'm really glad that you taken the time to use this topic to get the message out to everyone here. And I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of CauseCast. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guest, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or head to causecast.org. There you will find links to the work of our guest and a special donation link set up to support their favorite cause. All the proceeds are going directly to that cause minus any administration fee on the platform that they set up. None of the money is coming here to the CauseCast production. Also, while you're at causecast.org, make sure you follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcast show. And follow us on social media as we'll try to provide updates with what's going on with our guests and some other folks who will be featuring on the show and any other efforts that we have to support the community of cause casters that are out there now there's also going to be a special facebook group dedicated to cause casters so if you already have a podcast for a cause or you're thinking about launching one join the group it'll be dedicated to providing resources and answering questions specifically for cause casters hopefully we can do things like arrange some special non-profit pricing of various podcast services to help you with your venture and you know keep you under budget because we know a lot of people doing cause casts are not going to be reaping in the, the money so we want to see what we can do to help you produce a high quality product get your story out there get people inspired and not break the bank lastly if you are a cause caster and want to join me here on the show for an interview please head to causecast.org and fill out the interview request form we'll take a quick look at it and if approved we'll schedule you for chat and show the amazing work you're doing with cause cast raise some awareness for what you're doing and ideally raise some money as well. Thank you so much again for staying with me and we will see you next time on CauseCasts. Casts.